Matthew chapter 14, beginning with verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. This is the true word of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for speaking to us. And thank you for containing that in written language. And also thank you for the Holy Spirit as he aids us in understanding. And he also confronts us and he brings us reassurance as well. Let your word dwell in us richly, Father. Open our minds, our hearts, our ears, our lives to your word, because your word shows us Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. may be seated. Now, they were not just having a picnic there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Now, growing up in South Dakota, you might think of that as a dry place, but we have lakes there too. And there were two times, at least, every summer when we would have a picnic out at Lake Herman. And actually, just by the way, if you go up Highway 81, it goes right by Lake Herman. So just keep going until you get to Madison. It's a beautiful lake, nice park. Well, once we would meet in June when the family from New Orleans was visiting, and again in August when the family from Alabama was visiting. Grandpa really enjoyed these picnics. It was the the setting and it was the family. It took time to prepare. It didn't just happen randomly. Well, during that morning, Grandma would be in charge of the kitchen, making sure everything was going well there. She and her helpers were all, were all getting everything ready. And we carry all that food out to the cars. It would take more than one car. Anyway, and of course, we'd bring Frisbees. And those picnics were always at the same spot next to the lake. I know those days are long gone now. But sometimes just the four of us, we've still gone and had some picnics there at that same spot, maybe even the same picnic tables. That's a picnic. On the shore of the Sea of Galilee, it was a little different. The people were not prepared. They had not planned this. 
For the most part, they did not bring any food, except for this one young boy who had a, a few loaves and a few fish. Probably didn't bring any games. It was sudden. It was unplanned. It was unorganized. It was like that because they were grieving. They were afraid. And so they were seeking Jesus. So when we come to this part of the Bible, usually what we focus on in this section is Jesus creating a lot of food out of just a little bit. For enough for everybody there with a lot left over. All starting with just five loaves and two fish. Now that's at the end of these verses. This happened in a larger context. A lot of things were happening first. So we begin with verse 13, which tells us, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. So look at what happened in the previous passage. What is it that Jesus had heard? What had caused him to withdraw from people, to get into a boat and to go find a desolate place where he could be alone? He'd heard some terrible news. His cousin, John, had just been killed by Herod the Tetrarch. John had been in prison because this Herod had been offended by some of John's words. Herod's stepdaughter had requested John's head on a platter. And Herod had obliged because he felt like he had to keep that promise that he would do whatever she asked of him. So John was now dead. He would never raise his voice out in the wilderness again, calling on people to repent. John would never baptize again. Jesus' response was to go somewhere to be by himself. Knowing Jesus, it was probably to go and pray, just one-on-one time with God the Father. Sometimes a person just needs to be alone with grief for a while. But Jesus never actually had the opportunity uh, to be alone. Look at the contrast in the text. When Jesus heard about what had happened to John, he left to be alone for a while. But when the crowds heard the same terrible news, they went to find Jesus. In their grief and in their fear, they wanted to be with Jesus. The execution of John had rattled them. And deep in their souls, they knew that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And they knew that my help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. They knew that, and they were moved to follow that boat on shore, on foot. In verse 14, we're told that when he, meaning Jesus, went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. When we want some time alone, we don't usually welcome intrusions. But here's Jesus. When he wanted to take some time alone, 
but he saw a big crowd of people who were experiencing grief and fear and illness, his heart went out to them. Jesus was dealing with his own thoughts and emotions. He was God. He was also completely human like us. And he knew, of course, that John was safely with God. But this was John. This is the one who wasn't even born yet when he leapt for joy at meeting the unborn Messiah. This was John who had been sent by God to prepare the way for people to meet the Messiah. This was John who had been calling out for people to repent. Now John was gone. Sin had struck back. And yet here's this crowd following Jesus, looking to him, depending on him. And he came to shore and was there right away in the middle of them all. The men and the women and the children, the confused and the frightened and the lost. Jesus came for all of them. And now the sheep had come running after their shepherd. And he was filled with compassion for them. So his time of solitude would have to wait And he was there with those people and he began to heal them. We continue in verse 15. Now when it was was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Yeah, it was getting late. So it was still light, but the sun was in the process of going down. And the disciples were being thoughtful, and they came to Jesus to point that fact out to them, or to him. Actually, if you look in the Greek, it doesn't actually quite say the day is now over. What it actually says is the hour has already passed. It's a little different. They meant well. They were being practical. But in a real way, the hour had not passed. In a way, the hour had just arrived. Jesus was going to do something for them. Jesus was going to take care of his people. The disciples were good men, all except one of them. The disciples cared about the people. So they urged Jesus to send the crowds away. That would give time to still get into the villages and maybe find some food for themselves. Jesus saw that everybody there was needy in both body and in soul. He'd been healing people's bodies. Now he was going to do more. People today are still needy. It hasn't changed. We're needy in body. We're needy in soul. Sin has and is causing a lot of damage, and we cannot fix it ourselves. It's inside of us, and it's all around us. It leaves people poor in spirit, weighed down with sin, struggling to deal with it all, needing help from above, hungry and thirsty for what can satisfy the soul. 
And in that need, Jesus does not send people away to fend for themselves. He has help. And if he didn't give the help he has for us, we wouldn't get it. He knows our needs of body and of soul. And Jesus comes to provide. And this is an example of that. So Jesus' hour has come. Right now for this crowd, for their immediate needs, but very soon it would come for all people, then and now, as Jesus would go to the cross for us. In verse 16, Jesus said to his disciples, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. So who would have expected five loaves and two fish to become enough for maybe 15,000 people to eat? We know there are 5,000 men. We don't have the numbers for the women and the children. But this is the same God who had fed his people for 40 years as they wandered through the desert all the way from Egypt to the Promised Land. And in that voyage, every morning back then, God had provided manna that they could make into bread, and there was always more than enough. Now, on this one day on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, there was again more than enough. No, this is contrary to what some modern people would have you think. This is not a miracle of people sharing with each other. It was much more than that. This is not just the disciples suddenly finding more food hidden under people's robes. It's so much more. Thank God the reality is this is Jesus providing for people in abundance in a way that physics cannot explain. But Jesus did it. And then in verse 19, Jesus ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. So Jesus took the loaf. This is before the days of sliced bread. Okay, I I think sliced bread was invented back in the 1800s in some town in Illinois. I forget which one it is. This is well before that. Jesus took the loaf and they would tear it apart. He looked up to heaven. He blessed the bread. He broke the loaf. He gave it to the disciples. Sounds like the Lord's Supper in a way, but it really isn't. That was coming up. This time, the disciples took the bread out to the people in the crowd. And later on, after the ascension, they would take the bread of life out to different people in different places throughout this world to feed people's souls with forgiveness, with hope, with grace. You know, a common table prayer among the Jews is, I'm going to say it in English, though I did teach it to the boys in Hebrew, Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, the King of the universe, the one who brings forth bread upon the earth. Amen. It's a good prayer. The Bible continues. 
and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So they were all satisfied. They all had enough. If anybody was leaving that beach hungry, it was their own fault. Their stomach should be full. There was more than enough for everybody. Jesus was not just dispensing a few crumbs for everybody from heaven. This was an abundance because that's the way God works. That desolate place there on the shore had been turned into a place of plenty. It was a way, I think, of providing comfort for people in their grief, too. Because I've noticed when we do have funerals, an important part of that, that comfort and that strength, actually comes during the, the lunch afterwards. Okay? And that's, we see it here, too. So this was a place of comfort and peace. Their hometowns, where they were heading back to, were actually going to be the places of emptiness and need compared to that place. And those places, wherever they went, wherever their hometowns were, they would need Jesus there too. And he would bring, wherever those people are who trust him, an abundance of the forgiveness and the peace that only he can bring. Look in the world today. Every place still needs him. People can live in big cities surrounded by millions of people or in a small town filled with hundreds of people, wherever, or in the countryside where your neighbors may be, what, quarter mile away. But wherever they are, they still today seem to feel more isolated and lonely than ever. People have an abundance of wealth and property, but they feel, it seems like they're less happy than before. People have ways to communicate by phone, by email, by text, by this social medium and that social medium, and it's all good. But at the same time, it also feels like we're more cut off from each other. We are beggars. We're in need. It's true. Sin cuts us off from not only God, but from each other. It puts us at odds against each other. Sin leaves us lonely. Sin robs us of joy. Jesus brings us forgiveness, peace with God, a place in God's family, a future where we will be with God and with each other forever. Isaiah calls this new life that Jesus provides is food that costs us nothing. It costs us nothing because the price has already been paid. We know that the price for that forgiveness and that peace and that everlasting life was paid by the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus sacrificing his life for us on the cross. So as much as I, I do miss those old picnics there on the right next to Lake Herman, with grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles and my cousins, even my sister. I have to admit that this is better. 
I'm sorry, back then my sister and I didn't, didn't always get along as well as we do now, okay? What Jesus is providing here is so much better. Here it's a miraculous supper on the shore. What's coming is an eternal feast in the home of God with everybody who trusts and loves him. Jesus provides in a way that nobody else can. Jesus provides forgiveness and peace and grace in abundance. To God alone be the glory. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you provide for us so much more than what we deserve or could ever earn. Thank you, Father, that when Jesus comes, there is an abundance that he provides. Here we see an abundance of healing, an abundance of food for the stomachs, but also an abundance of food for the souls. That's what the people then needed. They needed Jesus and what he could provide for them and just who he is, his presence in their lives. We need that here today because this world is still tough. Father, thank you for providing what we need most of all, fellowship with you, with nothing getting in the way, fellowship with each other because we are all united in your family. So, Father, let your ways fill our voices, fill our lives, fill our minds, and let your word continue to reach people and provide that abundance of forgiveness and peace and grace. So, Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.